Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode is sponsored by Lecturio. The backbone of Lecturio is short, high-yield video lectures from award-winning professors organized by mini-courses, like How to Prepare for the USMLE Step 1 or other traditional subjects like pharmacology. The new bookmark feature allows you to snap a picture of your textbook and get a list of all the Lecturia's relevant videos to help reinforce what you're learning in the classroom. Lecturia is striving to offer the most effective and comprehensive medical education platform in the world, and we've teamed up with them in the production of the All Audio QBank. You can get a 20% discount on a premium subscription to Lecturio by using the discount code ITB20. Welcome to the Inside the Boards podcast, the podcast dedicated to helping you learn to think like a question writer so you can study smarter, not harder, and succeed in medical school. Welcome to the Inside the Boards podcast. I'm Stuart Bryant. Today we have our interview with Lecturio's managing director. Just a heads up, I've spliced in a question from our previous interview in order to help transition. I hope it doesn't throw you guys off too much. Also, we're posting this episode on June 30th. That means tomorrow is the last day to sign up for the Patreon campaign in order to get beta access to our all-audio QBank. Go to patreon.com slash inside the boards to sign up. We have, in a clinical research study, the microscopic analysis of tissues obtained from uh, from surgical procedures is performed Some of these tissues have the microscopic appearance of an increased cell size of multiple cells within the tissue with an increased amount of cytoplasm, but the nuclei remain uniform in size. Which of the followings most probably associated with the aforementioned findings? A, a cervix with chronic inflammation. B, the uterine myometrium in pregnancy. C, female breasts at puberty. D, the ovaries following menopause, or E, the liver following partial resection. So that was a little complicated. So basically the question is, um, in a tissue that has the microscopic appearance of increased cell size uh, of multiple cells within that tissue associated with increased cytoplasm and 
nuclei of a uniform size, uh, which of these tissues fits that profile? And the answer here is a uterine myometrium in pregnancy. What's this question kind of asking? Just hyper, kind of like the hyperplasia versus uh, hypertrophy definition. Is that uh, fair? So this question is describing what I would associate with edema. This person, the, the, the myometrium or the cells have an enlarged cytoplasm but maintain their architecture and their nucleus is, is uniform. And that's basically the, the uniformity of the nuclei is telling us what? That this isn't a malignant kind of process? Right, or a reactive type of process. Okay. To irritate a cell usually enlarges the nuclei. Sometimes they'll, they'll, the cell will have two nuclei. It just becomes irritated and what we call reactive. But this can also be a sign of malignancy, like you pointed out. Okay, so you've got the uterine myometrium in pregnancy, increased cell size, notably from the amount of cytoplasm within uh, this description. That makes sense because the myometrium has to grow in, in pregnancy. And if the same number of cells are there, but they're bigger, that's hypertrophy. With hyperplasia, that means more cells than originally, right. correct? Um, and that would be a process you'd see in the female breast at, at puberty. Right. With those uh, nuclei in um, the breast at puberty uh, be uniform in size, or would they also have kind of differential sizes? Oh, that's 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 pushing beyond my grade. Um, okay, that's fair. I, I'm just curious. I, I guess it would kind of make sense. Uh, well, I guess hyperplasia, what would be things that would uh, pathologically correlate with a hyperplastic process? Well, yeah, like you could see like a basal cell hyperplasia in GERD in the lower esophagus where the, the lowest level of the um, squamal tissue, the primordial basal cells, they're, they're, because they're inflamed, and again, this is an inflammatory response uh, because of the GERD, they'll, they'll just uh, become quite a few cells thicker than an uninflamed esophageal tissue. And so this also is seen then chronic inflammation in general, I guess. For instance, the, the cervix would be a notable place where chronic inflammation leads to uh, metaplasia. And just as a definition, metaplasia is, I guess, simply put is what the changing of one cell type that's supposed to be there in that tissue to another cell type that's also supposed to be there. Right. Uh, speaking of back to the GERD, you could have uh, metaplasia in the esophagus due to that inflammation. You could develop uh, intestinal metaplasia, mm -hmm. but that that tissue really shouldn't be there, right? Okay, but it's not. Uh, it's not of a different. Uh, like it's not um, lung-looking uh, stuff under the microscope or lung. Uh, uh, liver-looking stuff under the microscope right. in the uh, different organ, which would indicate more of like malignancy, right, or dysplasia. Right. It, it's it's GI-related. It's G. It's in the GI neighborhood. It doesn't look like lung. It doesn't look like brain. But it's it shouldn't. It's still uh, you know, and and it's metaplastic, so it's reversible. Okay. All right. So that's an important point about metaplasia. The other choice is ovaries following menopause. I mean, compared to um, reproductive age, ovaries, you would see atrophy, 
of and a decrease in the size of the, of the cells. So right. I imagine the nuclei would be fairly uniform, but the amount of cytoplasm would be uh, decreased um, in atrophy, right? Right. And then the liver following a partial resection actually uh, responds with a compensatory hyperplasia, which was answer choice E. So I just liked this question because it reminded me of like all the looking in Robbins and seeing like the definitions of metaplasia and dysplasia and hyperplasia and just being like, oh my gosh, this is a sure. fire hose. Sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. In fact, going back to hyperplasia, now that I think about it, you would see hyperplasia in the female breast because all the glands are reproducing or all the glands are enlarging, larger glands, more glands in the female breast. You'd see the same thing in the liver. You'd see hyperplasia. All in the ovaries, the, you would see atrophy, like you mentioned. And, the, and then the cervix with chronic inflammation, not only would you see, uh, you'd possibly see hyperplasia, but you would also see all these abnormal cells. You'd see all these inflammatory cells, uh, plasma cells and B cells that uh, and T cells uh, that wouldn't normally be found in the cervix, right? So you'd see maybe some hyperplasia in the cervix, but you'd also see these other inflammatory cells. In the female breast, you'd see hyperplasia. In the liver, you'd see hyperplasia, but in the ovaries, you'd see atrophy. So yeah, um, I think that's what we're, what we're moving towards. All right, fair enough. Today we have uh, uh, Stefan Wiesbauer from Lecturio, also joined today with our producer, Stuart Bryant. Hi, everyone. Uh, so today we're going to discuss the Lecturio platform with the managing director from Lecturio. Stefan, I appreciate your time. You're coming to us all the way from Leipzig, Germany. Is that correct? That's correct, Patrick. Yes. Awesome. Well, with that being said, what is Lecturio? Yeah, the brief version is uh, Lecturio, um, at least the part that we're focusing on here, is a, a learning tool uh, combining both content and learning technology uh, designed for the medical student um, for, from pre-med, i.e. MCAT, through to step one and step two, um, with the ambition of offering them really in the most compressed possible format explanations in high-end video quality that gives them just the knowledge that they need for their exams and enriching that with a lot of questions, different kinds of questions, both quiz questions and case type questions to um, support that learning process. Uh, there's also a lot of reading material, but you know there's a lot of reading material out there, so the differentiator is really um, uh, the video combined with the questions and a learning system that really supports uh, the process, including the ability to learn you know, offline. Um, uh, wherever they are on any of their mobile devices. Okay. And the second part is your platform, because obviously the, the organization, once you get into the, the user interface, is USMLE Step 1, USMLE Step 2, and then um, other uh, sections for the MBBS uh, students and even NCLEX nursing and uh, pre-medical or MCAT prep. Um, we're focusing today on the USMLE Step 1 and USMLE Step 2, but students might be wondering, because most of our audience is in the U.S. or Canada, although we do appreciate and love our international users, <laughs> I would say that, uh, or listeners, uh, that American medical students um, might be wondering, why should I use or why can I safely trust <laughs> a German company with my step one or step two preparation? 
Um, and although I will say that, um, you know, there is the beauty of German engineering when <laughs> it comes to cars, does the same sort of thing apply to medical education? Yes, yes, yes. So uh, my suggestion is you don't trust the Germans on the on the content, but you, <laughs> uh, you, you trust our professors. So, um, so yeah, way, tell me way, about them. Yeah, the way we built this, and it's a funny history in terms of Lecturio first started in Germany in 2008. And we kind of uh, created the video learning markets uh, for law and medicine here in Germany. And we still dominate them to this date. And then a few years ago, we decided we looked at the global market and looked at what's out there. You know, we looked at Kaplan and New World and all the various players. And um, we felt we can really add something that doesn't exist yet. Um, or put differently, integrate, you know, a lot of tools that offer little parts of what the medical student needs, but really give them. Um, a single point resource that does most of what they need. And um, and obviously, you know, we thought through, hey, you know what, putting some German professors on there with funny accents and so on is not going to be very competitive. So um, we uh, literally hunted the best professors we could find around the world. And so the professors are from Harvard, they're from Yale, they're from Johns Hopkins, etc. I think we've got six of the global top 11 medical schools um, in that teaching team, if you want to call it that. And really, those are the people I think you can trust and you should trust. Aside from good explanations, obviously, you also want sort of, you know, perfect illustrations and all of that. So we have a partnership agreement with Elsevier. Um, so in the illustration-rich okay. topic areas, you will see a lot of Elsevier illustrations. And in some cases, we build our own and add to that and animate things and so on, where we feel we can make them even better. And so that combination, uh, we think at least should make it possibly the you know most trustworthy resource you can find out there. Yeah, and I love the way that Lecturio is built around the concept of courses. And the courses are kind of modular, right? Um, so if you go to the user interface, and uh, we'll probably be releasing this in early July, so a lot of students are starting medical school um, shortly thereafter and or getting into their rotations, perhaps preparing for step two. But you go into Lecturio and you can see a number of uh, modular courses on, for instance, clinical neurology or uh, family medicine or infectious diseases, hematology, etc. And those are sort of high-yield video lectures, and it looks like the ones I've watched have ranged uh, from 3 to 12 minutes. But one of the things that I would recommend as a inside the boards is a platform that is focusing mostly on the how of taking a medical education standardized exam. One of your little mini courses from Dr. Uh, Pravin Shukla is how to yes. prepare for the USMLE Step 1. And in that video series, of which three are free, you've got Boardsmanship, your guide to the USMLE Step 1, test-taking strategies for the USMLE Step 1 questions, and exam-taking tips for the USMLE Step 1. And although those say Step 1, the principles that that Dr. Shukla presents are really applicable to any medical education uh, test. So step two, your shelf exams, even residents, their in-service exams, in, in my opinion. Um, and the reviews of this mini course uh, are, are really good. Um, one user said, 
and I think this is important, that this was precise and to the point, and the things which are important are highlighted. The things which you never pay much attention to are dealt with very well. And another said, I like this because it gave me the exact direction needed to face the challenges of my exam. And the the lectures, which I've watched these ones, are, are, are really good. Yeah, thank you. I mean, you've described it perfectly. So one of the things that is important to us is that the it's kind of, uh, you know, chunks of three to 12 minutes. I, it's very easy to navigate and find just what you need, you know, and what we uh, expect from the professors is that the feedback from the student in the end is meant to say two things. Uh, the first is, you know, this guy keeps me awake and motivated. You know, we all know being a medical student is pretty mm. tiring. And if you see the average student's deaths, there's always coffee or some other medium to keep you awake on there. In addition to the content, usually a computer and a bunch of books and so on. Yep. So number one is they want them to be motivating guys. And um, they all have very different styles, you know, if like Carlo Rush pathology versus Dr. Shukli, for example. Uh, different styles, but um, they, they kind of the feedback needs to be they keep me awake, they keep me engaged, they keep me motivated. And then secondly, they really make me get it. You know, yes. that's the feedback we love most. You know, it's when the students say, and you can read all this unfiltered on lecturio.com, um, is when the student says, oh, I've really struggled to get this and I've hunted for material for a long time. And now I finally get it, you know, when they say about Carlo Raj and pathology, when they say, look, he's not teaching you know, pathology, he's really teaching medicine and is interconnecting all the areas and it makes so much sense to me now. And so on. so that is what we expect, you know, and that obviously also holds true for the kind of supporting materials. You mentioned the how to prepare for USMLE step one. Uh, there's also how to get into medical school in the first place. I understand that's less your target audience, but we basically try to give the students really not just the perfect content in easily accessible chunks, that helps them remember and helps them really understand, um, but also the support they need for their whole journey through the medical school. Yep. And just to go back to that, how to prepare for the USMLE step one, the objectives for that video series are how to approach questions, read the questions, namely the vignettes and the interrogatories correctly, and to answer confusing questions based not just on the content, but on the form and sort of psychometric principles that, um, that really the USMLE step one, step two, all of the NBME or NBOME uh, writers use to construct questions. And that's exactly what Inside the Boards is trying to help students learn. So highly, highly recommended, in, in my opinion. And then another thing I like about the the platform and the way it's set up is you have these comprehensive kind of courses in the main subjects for medical school. So first year, you've got things organized, organized around physiology or pathology. But then there are a few places where you've specifically pulled out ultra high yield kind of content, if you will. So in the step one uh, level uh, course, you've got top USMLE diseases, right? The sort of things that uh, you absolutely, absolutely must know in preparing for step one. And to the students who are starting medical school um, in first year or going into second year, keeping in mind that finding a resource that augments what you're learning in your lectures in school and getting comfortable with it is, is an invaluable thing to do at the beginning of the year. And if you haven't already done that going into second year, 
absolutely you should. By third year, most people have found the resources or type of resources they like, and, and you should definitely use those. But keep an open mind, too, because there are platforms that are uh, different from the kind of uh, standard things that are recommended as far as review books um, that are doing innovative things and doing them with excellence. I think Lecturio uh, represents one of those uh, approaches and is invaluable and, and definitely worth a look. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So what happens when students sign up? Um, do you guys give a free kind of preview subscription before a um, paid subscription? How does that work? Yeah, you have two things there, really. Um, so um, on the one hand, um, you get when you first install our app, um, you get a full day of access, uh, partly because you mentioned sort of, you know, augmenting the existing content. So one of the things that's important for that is you know, different universities teach in different ways and irrespective of how the university teaches, each student learns in different ways, right? Yep. And um, so, you know, we, we talk to the big universities and the student users, you know, a lot of them say, hey, you know what, the lecture halls are pretty empty. And, <laughs> and even when they run, you know, small professor teaching groups where sort of, you know, 15 people are supposed to show up, only seven or eight show up. And at the same time, the university is supposed to, you know, be tracking and supporting the student and finding out early if they've got problems and all these kinds of things, you know. So for these different setups, it's very important that you can navigate the content very effectively. And therefore, we have these various kind of navigation options, you know, by subject area. Now, you mentioned by disease area, you have the search function where you can very quickly find, you know, both little short lectures as well as overall courses that match what you're looking for. And, um, and we also created the book matcher feature specifically for that, uh, where you can scan any tech that we, you can take. We've kind of added all your standard textbooks, you know, whether it's uh, Golian's pathology or your first aid, different editions and so on. And you can just jump into that and enter a page number and it'll take you right to that. And if you happen to have materials from your professor or other textbooks and so on that we might not have indexed yet, then um, you can just take a picture and you know, take a photo from your any kind of mobile device, yeah. iOS or Android. It scans the page. It you know, does text recognition on the page and gives you the suitable videos to do that to, to kind of you know, support your learning process. You know, because as you know, there are some pretty innovative teaching approaches out there, you know, where students are seeing patients earlier and earlier and, and they're supposed to learn whatever you know, the patient had and sort of, you know, find out about that for themselves. And I think, um, you know, there's so much to remember. I think that's a, a good approach, you know, where you have real concrete people and patients that have multiple conditions, and then you hook your learning onto the people you've met as real patients early yes. on. 
but then you also need a system that allows you to quickly find that kind of content um, and, and give you sort of the important uh, level of detail and understanding about that without getting you bogged down in you know, reading uh, dozens of unnecessary pages or watching unnecessary hours of video because you simply do not have that time and possibly not that uh, space in your head to remember all the stuff that you are unlikely to need um, in the exam in the end. You know, So right. that's how it's all designed for this kind of easy augmentation, if you like. You also asked about the free access. So the free access part is um, you get a full day's free access uh, That's that we did that so you can use the book matcher and not get little locks, you know, because you happen to look for content. You've just scanned a page and then it's kind of frustrating if you get primarily locks. If you browse by subject area, there's a lot of free content, you know. So if there's, say, whatever, 50 um, uh, little lectures on a given topic, then the first five will be free, you know, so that's so people can really kind of dig in and see, you know, do I like this instructor? Does this work for me? And so on. And in any case, you know, we try to make the pricing such that you get full access to all the content and it's pretty competitively priced, at least at least when we look at it and compare it with other resources. So, you know, deliberately, it's a very competitive entry price that we uh, kind of uh, put it at. Primarily because, as you mentioned earlier on, you know, we're still relatively new to the market. The word is spreading very fast. We're very pleased with the feedback and how fast it's spreading, but we're not yet one of those household names. You know, I think in two, three years, it'll be kind of a standard thing for a medical student to say, yeah, of course, I know Lecturio, and of course, I've used Lecturio. Uh, I like this or that part best, you know, but today, you know, versus Kaplan, UWorld, Pathoma, and so on, we're not yet um, as much of an established household name. So therefore, you know, this kind of free usage and very competitive pricing uh, are important part of our strategy to get the word out. Sure. Right. And you you just pretty much answered that question about, you know, what is this textbook feature? I got an email from Lecturio and it was saying, you know, we had this new feature. It's called the textbook search. And I thought it was like a cool idea, but I didn't really have time to go and look at it at the moment. But, you know, recently I've sat down and actually, you know, put in a couple of different page numbers. And can you explain how that works? Yeah, so it's quite easy. So I have two ways to, and it works on your, even on your, on the web, it works as well. You just don't have the camera option, obviously. But say you're sitting there and reading with a given book, you know, so first aid edition 2016 or whatever, you know, then um, you kind of, you know, learning on a specific subject area, and then you might want to, you know, find something about that subject, whatever sub area of pathology or whatever else. Then instead of typing in the medical term, which takes a bit of time, you're on a given page, obviously. Right. So all you need mm -hmm. to do is punch in the page number, so you're on 214 or whatever, and it'll show you all the relevant augmenting explanatory videos for the content that is on that page. So that is the first option. The second option is, you know, you may have a different edition of books or, you know, kind of, as you know, there's sort of thousands of medical books out there. And uh, you might also be getting material from your school that's not published as a book, mm -hmm. you know, or a PDF you got from your professor or whatever. And um, then for that, to make that easy, you can basically just take a picture of any page. It uploads that image to our database. It does text recognition, doesn't store it or anything. So no copyright issues, right? Awesome. Um, it just analyzes it, does uh, optical character recognition on it, OCR. And based on what is recognized on the page, it does an optimized search for that combination of terms. And in turn, again, give you exactly the augmenting explanatory both videos, questions, and reading materials that can help you, uh, you know, support your learning. Okay. Right. Right. And the camera is like a, that's a feature of the app, right? 
that's built right into the app. So you click on that button and, you know, kind of the, the, the internal camera, you don't have to change uh, application or anything. It's all built in. You just press and then you'll see a little uploading right. image kind of bar. And then once that's through, you actually get highlighted on the image that you took, how the text is being processed, and, and then it spits out the results. That's really cool. Absolutely. And, you know, it's one of those features that, uh, you know, machine learning and different technological advancements have have enabled where when I went to medical school from 2006 to 2010, uh, there was a shift away from books, hard copy books, as has generally been the trend within society and a move towards uh, web-based and and now even more application-based uh, uh, platforms for medical education, um, and right. and really medical med-ed companies are are driving this more so uh, than than schools themselves, which are are uh, still kind of. Um, I don't want to say stuck, but uh, forced or or otherwise, <laughs> um, uh, there's a necessity to uh, have a more traditional school-based uh, learning model with uh, you know in-person lectures um, for the most part. And that's one of the cool things I think about it, Patrick. Because for me, like you know, I go to a lecture and they're going to have page numbers for like a certain textbook mm -hmm. in the lecture. And they're going to say, you know, here's where I've based my notes from. And you think about it, uh, one way that you can go and enjoy that content of that lecture in medical school is you can go through those pages in something like this app or this feature and then start watching the videos that are augmenting what you learned in that lecture itself. Correct. And and it seems um, not to knock any medical school, but, you know, Stefan highlighted an obvious point that the consistency of what is taught from medical school to medical school varies. And and frankly, the quality of the, the lectures, uh, lecturers will also vary of necessity uh, within a school itself and um, between different or amongst different schools. So finding the world's top medical educators and having them present content that is is comprehensive enough to give you a full picture of a given disease or concept is great, but also which is self-consciously focused on doing the thing that causes the most anxiety for many medical students, and that is teaching to the test, focusing on the big tests that you have to take to um, secure the residency you want and, and build the career that you probably dreamed of in some uh, inchoate form as a pre-med uh, is, is absolutely essential. So let me, let me ask this. So users of Lecturio, your fans already um, noticed that originally there were well over a thousand questions. And now that number has been truncated a little bit. And my question is, is why is that? <laughs> yeah, that's a fair question. Let me add a very brief comment on what yeah, you said sure. last, because we we're, were taking a little bit the university's perspective, you know, and sure. and um, that is but an yeah. interesting aspect, right? Because a lot of universities are, you know, starting to sort of 
want to go digital so they kind of for example do things like lecture capture yep. um, and that can be a good thing absolutely and this can be very complementary um, you have challenges with some of that as well you know professors do video casts but do they actually have the rights to the kinds of images that they're showing in those video casts and if they don't and they're drawing on the whiteboard and they might be very good at didactics and explanation but you know drawing stuff on the whiteboard and building it up is not exactly the fastest, most efficient way of teaching either. Sure. And so for a university, what's important to us is that we design it as a tool that you can just dump it on the students and it works just fine. But if the university wants to do blended learning, wants to add their own content, wants to track students, wants to do flipped classroom and all of that, the technology, again, is able to support that. You know, this is not something that the individual subscriber, individual student client sees, but at a university level. Um, the system is able to support all of those practical challenges that the universities often face, you know. So that's just a brief kind of add-on to that institutional perspective, because clearly it's not easy there to bring these things to life, you know. And sure. the publishers aren't really great at that either. You know, if you talk to the publishers, then they kind of say, oh, the authors don't bring a lot of video with them, you know. Right. <laughs> no, they don't, and no, they won't. <laughs> so you got to find a way of systematically generating that format that the student really wants, you know, because sure. everybody agrees with. But um, to um, come, come back to your question. So yes, they were. So the main focus on that is quality, you know. So the, 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 as you can see, you know, we hunt for professors from, you know, the top schools. We flew them all to Leipzig, by the way. This is how this was produced, you know. It was surprisingly easy to convince uh, the, those professors <laughs> to sort of come on a free trip to Europe, you know. And it's a publisher model, so they get a revenue share at Elsevier. But um, uh, quality is the most important focus. And so when we did a very thorough review of the questions, you will notice that all the questions have very detailed explanations, all the clinical QBank high-end questions, what we call the high-yield questions. You know, detailed explanations, not only the correct answer, but also the incorrect answer. So what we're in the process of doing is making sure that all of the questions are top quality and they all have that, uh, you know, very detailed feedback on all of the answers so that someone who gave a wrong answer doesn't have to then go around and, you know, kind of clarify for themselves where they had it wrong, but they very quickly get that explanation, kind of how they had it kind of miswired in their head or however you want to label it, and um, to quickly get the correct kind of, you know, understanding. And so that's what we're doing. And, you know, this quarter alone, I think we're putting another 150 questions live, quiz questions. So we'll be back up to that number um, uh, in the next few months, hopefully. Yeah, and um, I talked to Tobias a little bit about this, um, <laughs> who's in charge of the, well, I guess what would be his his title? Uh, uh, Chief Content Officer, if you like. So I talked to him about this, and um, he told me your very ambitious goal to get up to the, the point at which a, a QBank can be considered uh, complete. Like how many questions on average does a QBank have? Um, all of the the Q banks that are out there, it tends to be around two thousand questions for step one, fifteen hundred to two thousand for step two, and you need that many yes. questions to provide a good test based or quiz based um, learning. Um, and and you guys are hoping to get back to uh, that goal of uh, roughly two thousand by the the end of the year. Is is that fair? Is that correct? Yeah. So, I mean, actually, we actually have over 10,000 questions currently. Um, but the important distinction to make there is we have the quiz questions, which are part of the sort of technological features to keep you awake during the lecture, if you like. Yeah, you know? Short first order questions. Like, exactly. What is this disease or how would you treat this? 
Um, and, and very simply, even, you know, if you say you were watching something on, I don't know, biochemistry, whatever, you know, just check your understanding of what was presented right there and then, you know, not even necessarily related to a clinical case or so. Right. And so we have a lot of those. And then, yeah, just like you said, you know, on the um, clinical case questions, which we do very comprehensively in terms of the right and wrong explanations, we have about 500 at the moment. And uh, yes, we want to bring it up to the level that you're describing there. And we're adding up, adding to it on a monthly basis. Huh? But the quality is the most important thing there versus the speed. I think the Absolutely. current questions uh, get the feedback that, you know, they're actually in some way superior to a lot of the questions out there because even some of the focused questions tools that do nothing but this uh, sometimes don't have that feature that they actually explain what you got wrong you know which is something that can really accelerate your learning save you a lot of time if you don't have to sort of you get the wiring aligned in your head straight away if you like around what you had wrong you know yeah i i will say like in in this sort of audit um process that led you guys to uh remove some of the questions from the live qbank uh, my understanding is that that uh, Mo, aka Doc Osere, had a a hand in that. Um, and after looking through the modified set of questions, was was very happy and favorable. Provided a very favorable uh, review of the content. Absolutely, yeah, that's accurate. And I remember seeing that email from him for the first time, and we were very pleased because uh, you know he then literally said, "Well, now this is amazing." and and that's what's important to us. We want to make sure we get the format and the technology figured out just right. And so we can then scale it. And we always want to be in very, very close contact with the learner, with the user uh, in doing that. You know, so a lot of our feature development and so on comes out of user interviews rather than us sitting here and thinking, oh, this might be a nice feature. We rather want the people who use it every day tell us. Huh? Yeah. And uh, on that note, I know you guys are looking for more content authors. And uh, in my opinion, the thing that helped me uh, become successful on uh, standardized exams was the work I did in medical education, writing questions uh, for various companies and, and editing them. How could students who might be interested in doing that um, get in touch with you guys and uh, um, become a part of Lecturio? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, Tobias, as you mentioned, uh, is, is the right man for that. And they can just drop an email through any of the channels, really. You know, just drop us an email. The email and the contact details are at the bottom of the, of the webpage and support at lecturio.com should always work, for example, and we will pass it on internally and make sure we get back to them because that is really very, very important for us, you know, so the, the more really excellent question writers we have, um, the quicker we can add to that QBank. Huh? Yeah, sure. And Stuart, did, you said you had a, uh, another uh, kind of question. Yeah, I, and, you know, asking how you can get involved with Lecturio definitely kind of uh, speaks to that a little bit, but I was going to ask, when do you think that a student should start using Lecturio? Do you think they need to start it, you know, when they're preparing for their MCAT or when they're waiting for medical school to start or just before they're going to start their dedicated, you know, study prep? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when we designed it, um, what we designed it for was for, for it really to be a continuous support tool throughout the life cycle of the student. And um, that means, you know, pre-med, MCAT prep, et cetera. And then day one, you get to med school and, you know, any times in between where you have downtime and you want to prepare a bit and be ahead of the curve and so on. So um, and and nicely, we're very happy that it seems from the student feedback that that has worked out fine, you know, because you have tools out there that are very much focused on 
this is the cram phase before the exam and I'm just going to use it then. No? And I'm very pleased that we have a lot of students that give that feedback. You can see it on the webpage that say, hey, I'm actually using Lecturia for my kind of short-term revision exam prep because it tells me where I have my strengths and weaknesses. I can see that in the questions. I, re I revise and the explanations are so good that I really remember the stuff rather than just try to get question practice right. And um, so we're pleased that it's working for that. But we're also seeing that students are using it really as some of them as their primary learning tool, you know. Um, so we, we do kind of detailed user interviews. And um, there's a significant group that for them, it's almost their primary tool. And then they go to the lecture and see what other specific topics does the professor want to have covered. Some use it the other way around. They use it as their secondary um, support tool. But um, one of our main goals was it for it not just to be a cramming tool, hence also the claim on the webpage itself, you know, really understand medical concept, but really a continuous learning support through your lifetime as a medical student. Yeah. All right. Um, well, I don't want to take too much uh, more of your time, and I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and, and sharing the platform. We're excited to see how it grows, and uh, now is the perfect time to jump in for uh, first year, second year, and third year students at the beginning of the year. Well, thank you so much, Patrick. It's been a joy. And uh, feel free to reconnect with us anytime. Obviously, any author recommendations, don't know how you're spending your time these days. You might be busy with podcasts and clinical <laughs> practice. But, um, you know, so I'm happy for, for any support there and you know, very much open uh, to listen to suggestions and so on, whatever they might be. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I, I mean, I'll do whatever you want if you fly me to Leipzig. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good to me. <laughs> All right. Well, auf Wiedersehen. <laughs> auf Wiedersehen. Greetings from Germany and best of luck to all your listeners there in terms of their exam preps and, and so on. Get going with it. Give us your feedback. We're happy to support you. That's what we feed on is your feedback. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, again. <laughs> Thanks so much. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to our interview with Lecturio. Like I said, I have one more question to post. I'll probably put that out sometime, probably tomorrow. In the meantime, head on over to InsideTheBoards.com or Patreon.com InsideTheBoards to sign up for our Patreon campaign and get beta access to our all-audio QBank. We're accepting contributions for the QBank until July 1st. Like Patrick said, we'll be going on a hiatus for a couple of weeks. Look for us at the end of July when we start up the podcast again. We hope you guys have enjoyed the Study Smarter series. Thanks to James from 2 O'Clock Courage for letting us use the song in our podcast. And thank you for listening. As always, happy studying. Inside the Boards is in no way affiliated with the United States Medical Licensing Examination, Comprehensive Osteopathic Medical License Examination, National Board of Medical Examiners, the National Council of State Boards of Nursing, National Board of Osteopathic Medical Examiners, or any other licensing or examination body. All exam names and other trademarks are the property of the respective trademark owners. Content discussed during the program is the property of Inside the Boards or the attributed trademark owner and may not be reproduced without permission from the appropriate entity.
Inside the Boards fully adheres to the respective policies on irregular behavior outlined by the aforementioned credentialing bodies.